Hello everyone and welcome to Chemistry is Everywhere, a show where I will talk about chemistry in our daily lives and in the world around us. In this episode I will talk about the relation between fuel and energy, about fossil fuels, renewable fuels, zero carbon fuels, and what makes a good fuel. In one of my chemistry courses about petroleum and fuels, I asked for a definition of a fuel and got some interesting replies. A material that is burned to produce energy was one. Another one said, material that can react with another material and release its energy. And then there was material that produces useful energy in a chemical reaction. And you see all of them relate fuel with energy. There is of course a difference between fuel and energy. Fuel is like the material, it's, it's a substance and energy is more like an impetus or, or call it a, a driving force or impulse and most forms of energy can be traced back to the, the flow of energy from the sun that can be direct via solar panels or indirect via wind hydroelectric power or fossil fuels or biomass Now there are different ways to classify fuels and let's from a climate or sustainability point of view um, start with the difference between fossil fuels on one hand and renewable fuels on the other hand. Fossil fuels are for example coal, petroleum, natural gas or LNG, but also uh, nuclear fuels. And they are made from reservoirs that cannot be renewed. Uh, for example, the, uh, also the uranium that is used in nuclear reactors can, uh, cannot be renewed. On the other hand, there is renewable fuels biofuels and they are produced from sources that, that can be renewed for example vegetable oils uh, palm oils or corn or wood examples are biodiesel bioethanol and all the um, GTL BTL fuels made by the Fisher Drops process we will discuss that in detail. Now fuels are rated in terms of their energy content or in other words the calorific value and that is expressed in megajoules per kilogram. LPG has the, the highest calorific value it's typically in the order of 51 megajoule per kilogram 
gasoline around 46 megajoules per kilogram. Ethanol, bioethanol has a calorific value of 31 megajoules per kilogram. LNG, 25 megajoules per kilogram. And hydrogen has a calorific value of around 9.3 megajoules per kilogram. Now back to fossil fuels. The term fossil relates to its origin, has been formed from dead organisms, plants, algae, that were buried under heavy layers of sediment, in the absence of oxygen, and at high temperatures and pressures converted into hydrocarbons. Terrestrial plants tended to form coal and natural gas, whereas material on the seabed formed petroleum. Although fossil fuels were formed by natural processes, they're still considered non-renewable, and that's because it takes millions of years to form, and combustion takes just a century or two. So these cycles do not match. Renewable fuels or biofuels are produced from sources that can be renewed, plants, such as corn, sugarcane, switchgrass, or trees. Combustion of these materials is basically the same as the combustion of fossil fuels. They burn and release carbon dioxide and energy. The difference is that renewable materials can be regenerated by photosynthesis, so the cycles of combustion and regrowth are in the same order of time. There is a difference, however, as annual crops such as corn, sugarcane and switchgrass, they grow faster than trees. Most biofuels are produced from the edible fraction of crops. There are some ethical and political aspects to that, but I will stick to the technical part. Two processes that can make use of the non-edible part are pyrolysis and gasification. And these use the um, lignocellulose part of the uh, crops, which is not digestible by humans or animals. Pyrolysis is rapid heating in the absence of oxygen, so there is no need for a long fermentation process. Gasification converts biomass into carbon monoxide, CO, and combined with hydrogen, this produces hydrocarbon fuels. And that's by this so-called Fischer-Tropsch process. That is a multi-step reaction where the hydrocarbon chain is growing by a repeated sequence of adding hydrogen atoms and CO molecules. The carbon-oxygen bond is split and a new carbon-carbon bond is formed and that's how the carbon chain is, is growing. This process typically forms alkanes in the range of C10 to C20. And these hydrocarbons are similar to the hydrocarbons from petroleum. Only the isomer distribution and the, the C14 isotope ratio is different. 
So chemical analysis can tell you uh, of a fuel is, is composed of petroleum or from uh, biomass or renewable sources. The feedstock can be any carbon containing material that can be gasified into carbon monoxide. So it can be coal and then we're talking about CTL liquids. CTL means coal to liquid. If the feedstock is biomass, then they're called BTL liquids. Biomass to liquid, BTL. And if the feedstock is gas, such as uh, biomethane, then it's called GTL liquids, gas to liquid. This process requires a lot of energy. And when this originates from renewable fuels or renewable sources, such as solar, wind or hydropower, then the overall process is carbon neutral. If not, then there is a certain carbon footprint to it. You might have come across the term zero carbon fuels, and that are fuels that emit no CO2 when they are burned. This would refer to hydrogen or ammonia. These are not really fuels or energy sources, but energy carriers. And that's because they do not exist on Earth in useful quantities. And the production requires much more energy than is obtained by their combustion. Another question that came up with the chemistry course on fuels I mentioned earlier was, what makes a good fuel? We'll go through the answers that were uh, collected. First of all, a high calorific value, but just that is, is not enough. Then a proper ignition temperature, and that means not too high or not too low. This also is why there are so many different grades of gasoline for the different climates. Gasolines for Siberia would not work in the Middle East and vice versa because of the um, vapor pressures. Then the fuel needs to be easy to transport. Uh, LNG is much more difficult to transport and, and much more expensive because the boiling point of LNG is around minus 163 degrees C. Uh, coal, for example, is much easier to transport. It needs a controllable rate of combustion. Nitroglycerin is a, a nice example. It has an extremely high calorific value, but would not be very suitable as a fuel for uh, transportation or power stations. Fuels need to be safe to handle. Hydrogen has some issues because it's very explosive. Some of you might remember the Hindenburg disaster in the 1930s, where the airship Hindenburg was filled with hydrogen and that exploded. It must be technically possible to handle fuels. 
Here I think about the nuclear fusion of hydrogen. That's not realistic on Earth due to the extreme high temperatures that are required to sustain the fusion steps. And all known materials on Earth would vaporize immediately. So let's leave hydrogen fusion to the sun. It needs to be available in large quantities. It needs to be cheap. And last but not least, it should not cause pollution. And in this respect, there's not really a difference between LNG or, or diesel or, or renewable fuels in a combustion process, because they all produce CO2 emission. And for applications such as shipping or aviation, it's not possible to capture the CO2 uh, during the voyage. Then there's one last thing I'd like to mention, and that's a specific requirement related to aviation fuels that contains sulfur content. Sulfur compounds in petroleum fuels are known to assist lubricity, and renewable fuels, which do not contain sulfur, and also the ultra-low sulfur petroleum diesel, from which all sulfur has been removed, they have caused lubricity issues. For applications on the ground, like, like buses, uh, lubricity additives can be used. But at 30,000 feet, with outside temperatures below minus 50 C, these don't work. So when sustainable aviation fuels are used, these are blended with um, fossil jet fuels to meet the specifications for, for use in, in planes. No airline, I guess, wants to take the risk of planes falling out of the sky because of fuel problems. Thanks again for listening. I hope you liked it and you learned something today. For any comments, questions or suggestions, feel free to send me a message. Till the next episode.